have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hi, I'm Will Harridge. And I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know. But I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said. Coming to you from the heart of Music City in Nashville, Tennessee, straight out of the Flynn Hendricks Enterprises Studios. This is the I Know You Hear Me podcast with Flynn Hendricks. And this week, he's got you another awesome guest on the line. So let's go ahead and kick it over to Flynn. All right, all right, all right. We're back here again for another awesome week and another awesome interview on the I Know You Hear Me podcast with none other than me, Flynn Hendricks. You guys keep tuning in. I'm going to keep bringing you awesome interviews like the guest I've got on here today. But before I get ahead of myself and before we get into that awesome interview, I got to take a minute and thank our sponsors that keep this show going. I've got to thank you guys for constantly tuning in and listening, showing your support, and telling your friends and family about it, and leaving us those awesome reviews on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't done that yet, what are you waiting for? And don't just go on there. If this is your first episode, don't only leave us a five-star review. But go back in the archives, listen to the plethora of awesome guests I had in Season 1, and even my other guests in Season 2 so far. It's been an awesome trend of guests that I've been fortunate enough to call my friends, been able to sit down and have conversations with them, and let you guys kind of eavesdrop on it, and hopefully pick some things out that have helped y'all in your life as well. But, before we get into everything else, I gotta go through my usual spiel here. Guys, I need you to not only follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I'll have links to those in the show notes, but I need you to subscribe on your preferred platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go and subscribe, get caught up in the archives, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a five-star review and tell us what you like. Hey, tell me even what you don't like. I'm all ears. I got tough skin. If there's something you don't like, let me know, and I'll make sure it gets fixed. But now that we've got that out of the way, here comes the fun part. My guest here today is somebody that I've been fortunate enough to know for, man, crazy to say, almost a year and a half at this point, but we met originally in improv. Thank you, Jonathan Pitts. We also did a Shakespeare class together, and crazy to say, but she has only been acting for about a year and a half at this point, and she has already made some awesome waves in the acting world. She's grown as an improv actor. She got out of her shell in our Shakespeare class. 
She was a two-time Now Voice This finalist, back-to-back. That's unheard of. So without further ado, it is my awesome honor and privilege to have Katrina Pacina on the podcast here tonight. Katrina, thanks for being on. Thank you. Oh, no thanks necessary. I'm just glad you had the time to uh, fit me into your schedule with all these waves you're making. Oh, anytime, anytime. It's, <laughs> it's always fun talking. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, having a few imaginary scenes here and there, too. But I got to know, because I don't think we've ever really talked about this in any of our classes or anything. Like, take me back to the beginning. We're going to jump in the deep end here. Like, what got you into acting? What led you to improv and Shakespeare? Like, what made you want to do all this, especially during COVID of all times? It wasn't planned. Like, I've always wanted to, you know, do something with acting, but I'm very shy. I'm not a camera person. So I didn't think I could do any of it because I figured the only way to get into voice acting was to have formal training, which I didn't have. Mm -hmm. But I always liked making little cartoons for my sisters, especially when they were at college. It was just the quickest way to send them, you know, something funny, cheer them up. And I thought, well, I'm going to take this seriously because I I started putting some out on social media and it made people's day. And I like doing that. I like to make people laugh. So I was like, let me pursue this. Let me see what I can do. And I started seeing, you know, these classes come up. But at the time, you know, I was still in the office. So it always get filled up. (laughs) So being able to be home gave me the time to, okay, I can take a break, check my phone. Oh, this is going. So I finally got to just drop in and give it a shot. I didn't think I'd be doing Shakespeare either. So right, soon, right. That was fun. That was definitely an experience in itself. But something you said right there, I got to go ahead and apologize because I left it out of the intro. So shame on me. <laughs> but I'm going to make sure I have your social media links plugged in the show notes because the artwork that you referenced, you need to get that stuff out there more because the stuff that you put <laughs> out there is amazing. So Guys, I'm going to have her links in the show notes. Go check out her social media. Look at the artwork she does because me blabbering right now is not going to do it the justice it deserves. But she is a very skilled and talented artist, and I can't say that enough. I draw from time to time. October is the only month I really really do any drawing at all, but I'm starting to do it more because I had so much fun. is Is there a reason that it's October specific or is it like a challenge that goes on? What is that? Yeah, that's the month of all the drawing challenges. Okay. Man, I can't keep up with all this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, and so the one that I had done for a while was Drawloween, Mm -hmm. but then this other one was generated by AI completely, so it comes up with all kinds of funky stuff. Oh, nice. I love silly things. Right. And it's uh, Bottober is what they settled on calling it, and... That's the first time in a long time I've been able to do all 31 days. Wow. Yeah, I know. It was funny because sometimes I would get a, I don't know what it's like, a dump of them at the same time. But if I was scrolling through, I would have like day 27, day 24, and then day 31 in some random order. But I'd get various yeah. ones like in a row on my timeline. But it's like every single one was so unique and so different. But I mean, like they were all like the one thing that ties it all together is just they were well, pardon my language here, but they were fucking good. So, like, <laughs> I, I can't give it enough justice. And I know I'm, like, just giving you all this praise here, but I, <laughs> I swear I'm not blowing smoke. Like, I do some drawing, but, man, I am, I nowhere, I am nowhere near that level. No, I'm sure it is good. No, I have friends who have said, no, I can't draw. You, I'll bet you can't. That's the thing. You got to have that confidence in yourself. 
who cares if it's not good? You're expressing yourself. I mean, I don't know like what some of these other artists like. I think people of his time told Vincent Van Gogh he wasn't good. Look at like how we look at his art now. So believe in yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but man, yeah, I, I like expressive work. Like to me, you know, some people can do extremely detailed work. Sometimes mirror images of other good work, but. Mm-hmm. There's no life in it. Yeah. And I will love a, you know, very derpy, very expressive drawing way more than that because there's life in it. Absolutely. And I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was that it was always like a release and an escape from whatever it was, like just bullies at school or just work stresses now or whatever it was that got me, you know, that that was my escape. And most of the time it was literally just drawing wrestlers or drawing, you know, like Dragon Ball pictures. Shocker, I'm a Dragon Ball fan. But what was it that drew you to art? Like, what made you want to find that medium to express yourself? On my dad's side, Mm -hmm. everybody can draw really well. This naturally inclined drawing only had one cousin, apparently, though, who did animation. Oh, really? Yeah, but I didn't get to know him that well. I only met him once, uh... We had so much in common, though. It's almost like a brother Wow! in that short time, but he left this world too soon. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, Man, that's... It, was a, it was a real shame. But, but yeah, like everybody on that side and, you know, good amount of people on my mom's side can. Mm-hmm. So just being around people that draw my dad, draw, would draw his stuff for work, you know, at his office. Like He's not a professional artist, but he draws well, and so he right. would do stuff. So you kind of, not only through genetics, but I guess by osmosis, kind of picked it up because <laughs> everybody around you is doing it, not peer pressure, but family pressure to to pick up, you know, pick up the pencil, pick up the sketch pad and get into it. It just seemed like fun, like just naturally. Yeah, I'm going to draw something. Yay. <laughs> I like it. Now, as your family saw you getting into that, like, were they supportive since they were also in that genre as well? Or were they kind of just like, dismissive didn't even notice what was that like oh no they they really support me and they they want me to do something with it i just don't know if if it's something i want to make a a job because i wonder then if i want to enjoy it right no i i get that because i mean i hate to say like i hate to make this about me but with college i wanted to become an english and literature major because i loved reading i loved writing i loved poetry Mm -hmm. all that stuff but the second it became something i had to do unless it was something that i absolutely wanted to read or you know whatever it may be i lost the passion for it so i get that because when you can't do it of your own free will and you feel like you're required or your hands are cuffed to do it it does take a little bit of that spark and that passion away from it it does and money honestly because at the time you know we didn't I, we didn't have internet yet we just had what when we did it was like ms paint yeah and so you had to have paint you had to you spend a lot of money on these and mm-hmm. you have to do it very frequently because you're always having to replace it and you know where i was growing up there didn't seem to be a lot of interest in what i did and so it's like i don't know if i want to invest when I I can't seem to really find a market for my stuff either. That's right. So I'll just draw for me, and I don't know from there. <laughs> so it's just it's kind of been dormant. It's just a thing that I've done for me and family and friends. Um, every now and then, you know, 
somebody would go ahead and pay me to do it, but you know, I was just happy to do it. Right, right, and that I think that's something that kind of sticks out, and like you'll see it on your social media too. Like, even though like I'm looking at it through a phone screen, you can tell there was a lot of like, I guess passion is the right word, but there was a lot of enjoyment and a lot of TLC putting into each one, even if it is like a goofy bear eating honey that's a spinoff of that Leonardo DiCaprio meme or whatever you want to call it from uh from Django Unchained, you know? But, I mean, it's like yeah. you could tell that you enjoyed what you were doing, so that makes it all that much more special. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that those were so, so fun. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm counting down to October now because I know that's when you're going to pick <laughs> it back up again. And just see where we go from there, see if I can't scope any more out that I want for my house. But anyway, um, like like you said, you couldn't you couldn't find the market. So you kind of had those questions like, where do I go? Like, do I just step into the great wide open and see where this takes me as the Internet has come along as social media has become a thing? Have you noticed like that your feelings toward that have changed like? Obviously, you said you're doing it in October for the 31-day challenges and so on. But, I mean, like, do you find, like, there are a lot more people that are interested in it outside of that time frame that kind of sparks that fire for you to keep doing it? Yeah, it's making me want to get back into it again. Because, like I said, you know, I didn't, I had a very limited market. And then, you know, you know, small town. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to really motivate me. But, you know, now that I'm doing this and... It's looking more fun. Like I did try yeah. when I was doing college to try for art, but they made me really not like it. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, my art classes in college were not like, it wasn't drawing, it wasn't painting, it wasn't anything like that. It was book work. So that kind of made me just, and it was seven o'clock in the morning. So oh. <laughs> double another bullet in the chamber right there. But yeah, that's that's one thing too, like, I think as you and I were both growing up, because we're pretty close in age, it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of the artistic things that like these adults are into now, and I've picked it up with former guests on here too, it seems like they weren't as encouraged, you know, like growing up as kids as they are now as adults. So it seems like all these things that were normally kind of shunned or pushed to the side, or you had to hide under your math book in class you're almost encouraged to do now because it's it's an awesome expression of yourself. Like, what do you think it is that's made it change so much as we've gotten older that's made it more accepting, I guess is the way to say it? Well, because people have become more accepting. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's when the world opens up the way the internet has, people that have been in a small bubble, they have to pretty much look around and it's up to them on how they choose to feel about it yeah so even though my family supported me i didn't have a lot of support or motivation locally and that was it but that was that was all i had and it just maybe if i had more passion i could have but it doesn't feel like it but when i see what we have out here and the fact that there's even free programs uh digital art digital painting which is so much easier although i'm still trying to figure it out i'm Still with markers and pencils and right, stuff right, right old fashioned, the old fashioned way. <laughs> yeah, but it's just so much easier. There's so many resources too, and so you know, younger people can put their stuff out. We can put our stuff out, and there's going to be someone who's got interest in it and see this different perspective, see what they're doing, and 
I think that's just the biggest thing is, you know, the world opened up. Absolutely. But in saying that, too, there's almost that flip side of the coin, too, where we've all seen it with social media, where for every positive comment, you see about Mm -hmm. five or ten negative ones. Have you experienced any negative feedback to anything or if you have, how do you how do you deal with that? Well, I just feel like, well, that is 100% their opinion, and they're totally valid for it. And I didn't really get that on a lot of drawings I did. It was like some animations I had put out. I really wasn't testing out my writing. I wanted to see what people thought of my voice work. Right. Uh, a million years ago on Newgrounds, I did like oh, some, man. <laughs> some little cartoons. And they liked the voice work, but they were just like, well, now this thing has just been beat to death, though. Like, oh, Geller. It's like, okay, well, you don't like the story, but you didn't complain about my voice work. So that is good. <laughs> That's a win in my book. And which, man, that blows my mind now because chances are, like, I grew up on Newgrounds, so I've probably heard your stuff. And now, like, I'm just, like, I didn't even know it at the time. But now all these years later, here I am interviewing you, doing these acting classes with you. And it's like, <laughs> the world works in such mysterious ways. But that's, I mean, that's, I love that outlook and that mentality because, yeah, that's their opinion, whatever it may be, right, wrong, indifferent. But, hey, there was some positive in the feedback they left. Like you said, they didn't comment or critique my voice. So that's a win. I, lo- I love yeah. that. Because I know myself included, I'm more prone to seek out the negatives or harp on the negatives. I'm still trying to work on that as yeah. as an ever-evolving person. But I love that you didn't let just like a negative comment or something like that deter you from pursuing it further. That's amazing. I just wanted to see what worked and what didn't because I'm not much of a writer. I only had two things out there. Right. Uh, I would have gotten a lot farther if I had more like writing creativity mm-hmm. I just, that I don't have uh, visually I can do a lot better <laughs> but, uh, but yeah I only had two things on there so if you did notice them that was it <laughs> nice nice which I, that's crazy to say because I scoured that website almost like every day after school so there was always something on there so I, I might share them with you later because they were super <laughs> super derpy I was just trying to see what people thought right right hey you got it out there though so I mean that's that was a step that was the starting point <laughs> you know when I did see you know all the good comments that I had you know a lot of people were saying yeah like I said thing a little bit earlier you know like I was feeling kind of down this was really funny this was so goofy it made my day that's that's what made me think about it. You know, it just, it just been on the, I didn't know where to go. So it just, it was on the back burner all those years. But right, like, right. I want to make people laugh. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that's a, that's a form of giving back too. And I, I'm, I'm right there with you on that because you just want to make people feel something. And if they're down, you want to give them something to be happy or laugh about and just get them out of that negative funk. I, I love that. So when you started putting that voice work out there, you found that silver lining with the, uh, you know, with the, hey, they didn't critique my voice. Is that kind of what led you towards wanting to pursue, you know, voice acting, improv, Shakespeare? Is that kind of what started you down that path? Yeah, because if I could do these characters convincingly enough mm-hmm. and they weren't cringy to these folks, then I'm like, I have a chance at this. Absolutely. I want to try it. I love that. So like I, I got a, I got a question here because this is one that I've gotten better at and I'm I, I'm not trying to make this all about me. This is more about me <laughs> trying to learn from you, I swear. 
But yeah, go ahead. how do you avoid critique, like being your own worst critic? How do you avoid being overly self-critical? Because I've gone back and listened to things that, you know, I did when I first started out, despite all these years of wrestling or whatever, like I was doing what I thought a voice actor should do and not actually like putting real emotion because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I was dumb, whatever it may be. Like, like how do you just objectively listen to yourself and find ways for improvement without just beating yourself up or putting up that mental barrier that doesn't need to be there? I laugh, honestly. I just find it funny. Right. Uh, because I was listening to other people to kind of get an idea, too. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, I see what they do. And, you know, I've, I've tried to put what I could into what I was voicing. But I'm like, oh, man, that's what I thought that sounded like. That is so funny. And I crack myself up very easily anyway. Right. That's I mean, that's a good that's a good habit to have right there, too, or a good trait to have, I should say, because, I mean, again, you don't you don't take things too seriously. So it makes it harder for you to dwell on things that could potentially just drag you down and, you know, drain all the fun and the passion out of things, which, again, too. Going back to like talking about like just putting those roadblocks up and everything as you got started, I think, like you said at the beginning, you know, you didn't know about formal training or anything like that. And did you know like where to begin or how to even get started? So, no, no, not at all. So, how <laughs> so did you like, well, oh, well, I will just try to do something where I will make money and I just. Because I tried going to college to do computer science and mm-hmm. get into robotics, but I'm a little too dense for that. And I tried really hard. <laughs> <laughs> You're smarter than me easy. either way, but whew. So in saying all that, like, how did you not get discouraged to just give up before you started? Like, what was that process like to get going in everything and find these starting positions and these stepping stones to get you to where you are now? Well, to be honest, there were a lot of discouragements that I had felt, you know, because I always push myself as much as possible. And when I don't get some of these, not all of them, but when I get certain results that I really don't get, I get really frustrated. Mm -hmm. And so when I don't know how to do something, it it does upset me. <laughs> I get very upset when I don't know I how to it. do something. I get it. Uh, and so if I can't figure it out, I have to put it on the back burner and try a lot of other things. And they end up crossing into each other and bumping into each other later on. So in saying that, too, is it as you try these new things and as you as you learn more things as you go, do you feel like that has finally like gotten you prepared for when like these opportunities do arise and you're ready to you're ready to pounce on that opportunity as soon as it's there like you've been there you've done that yeah you may not get the part you may get the part who knows but you felt confident as you went in have you kind of found those experiences have made you have that level of confidence going in it it has like i guess technically i've been trying to get this to get at this for 12 years uh just in pieces because I didn't know what to do. But when I would try something later, I found out that it intersected with the other thing. Yeah. And so pretty soon it all connected and it fully connected when I started doing 
you know, these classes especially because it everything was there. Absolutely. It's like a it's like a giant connect the dots, but you don't have the numbers to connect them. Sometimes you get lucky and one randomly connects, but when you finally start getting that instruction and you get somebody that's been there and can guide you, it starts putting a lot more things in perspective too. So I mean, that's I mean, it that makes so much sense because I've been there and done that myself. So I, I love hearing that. Like I said earlier, in, at the start of the show, you and I both started in improv with Jonathan Pitts, who yeah. will be a guest down the road here. And then the next month, we showed up together in another upcoming guest, uh, Carlisle DePriest Shakespeare class. So how did you get started? Like, what drew you to improv? And then from there, what drew you to Shakespeare? Because I know, like, those are two things that a lot of people hear a lot about. But I don't think a lot of people have that much knowledge about what it takes to be a Shakespearean actor or what all goes into being an improv actor as well. So how did you end up in those two positions? I started on improv because I felt like I always, I freeze a lot. Right. Because I'm not the quickest thinker on my feet when it comes to, you know, wit, doing stuff, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I thought, Improv will help me do this. It will help me think quicker. It will help me to make some interesting choices and I'll learn how it all works because that goes into a lot of the acting that I want to do and not to be so shy anymore. Right. And I think that's a, that's another place I can relate to you because realistically, unless, you know, if it's a first meeting nine times out of 10, I'm very introverted And even if I'm not around people, I'm more of a homebody. I want to be at home with my family. And even around my family, sometimes if I'm not playing with my kids, if it's just me and my wife sitting on the couch, I don't talk a lot because I feel like I exert a lot of energy throughout the day in social settings with work. And it's just like, okay, I got to recharge my batteries with people I'm comfortable with. But no, I get that because improv has made it easier to, I don't know if function in everyday life and in the corporate world is the right way to say it. But (laughs) in a lot of ways too, like where you would freeze, I would try to think three steps ahead to a problem that somebody hadn't even told me yet. And I just couldn't shut my mind off. So I was burning myself out before I'd even actually gotten words out of my mouth. So with everything Jonathan has taught us, that has helped me kind of reel it back a little bit more and be in the moment where I'm not having to recharge my batteries as much, even though I probably should. But, you know, like <laughs> there, there's so many different levels to how improv can actually help people that I think, too, like if they would just take that leap and take an improv, whether it's locally, now that, you know, depending on what your local COVID restrictions are, whatever, maybe if you do it in person, if you do it over Zoom, like there's still so much that it can teach you. And mm. did you feel like after that first session, because I know like, over the last year and a half, we've all grown as actors in the group. It's something that we constantly comment on, but have you noticed like different things like, man, I Katrina before improv would have handled it this way, but now like Katrina of today is just like, okay, give and take yes. And whatever it may be in a response to that situation. And you just have those little light bulb moments in your everyday life. Have you noticed more of that? I have, I have, because I I overthink as well. Same. So it's just like, okay, I know what the answer is. 
I'm not going to try to think of the 50 other ways that it can go. Right. What this is right now. This is what I'm going to tell them. Exactly. And it helps me be more outgoing as well. I mean, I like talking to people. I'm very shy and introverted, but I do like talking to people. And it just made it that much, you know, easier. Absolutely. And I'm I'm right there with you too. As long as it's like fulfilling conversation and not just meaningless small talk. I hate to sound petty saying that, but <laughs> you know, it's like I want things to fulfill me. I, I've become more aware of that. But mm-hmm. no, I, I agree one hundred percent because I mean like it does help change that mindset and it does make you a little more outgoing and you know, like in certain situations, like you don't have to respond right away. But as we've done those classes, all of our intuitions and our instincts have picked up on things like that too. Like even in social settings, you don't have to respond. You being silent is a response. You know, just being there is a response. So it's things like where old Flynn would have tried to make a joke at the wrong time or, you know, whatever it may have been. But I mean, like it, it can be a life changing thing for, for people. Yeah, so, it's like an, an art of conversation, but in a different way. Yes, yes. And I mean, it's, I feel like I, I, I'm comfortable saying that it's very much apparent in these podcast interviews where it is a give and take or it's a yes and conversation because, I mean, it's literally just us bouncing the ball back and forth. Like, spoiler alert, I may have a few little things in my head that I want to talk about with each guest, but... I don't come in with a hard script because I don't want these conversations to feel forced. I just want right. these people to hear a conversation that's literally two friends talking because I don't go into conversations with my friends planning out where it's going to be or where it's going to go. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's literally changed my mindset on so many things. And I'm not going to lie, like, obviously... 14 years of performing in spandex and knee-high boots in 13 different states, you'd think I'd be a little bit more comfortable performing, but I still get nervous. I still get anxiety over stuff like that. But this helped me find better ways to adjust to that and have better conversations with you guys as we go along too. But, you know, going from live performance to Zoom, uh, because all we've done, unfortunately, thanks to COVID again, is have these classes, you know, through a computer screen. Was it weird for you at first? Like it was kind of for me, like not having that person to person interaction where it was waiting on a computer screen or there may have been lag through Zoom, whatever it may have been. How was that for you? It was fine for me. Because I mean, some of these, some of the classes initially were like in Fort Worth and I can't even drive to Fort Worth. Right. And so it, it was really nice just being able to sit. I mean, it's, it was funny watching yeah. all the lag happen. Right, right. <laughs> Joy. But, <laughs> but I didn't really find it odd. I guess I just kind of go with whatever. Right. I got, I mean, that's the best way to do it. Go with the flow too. The biggest leap I think, uh, cause this is what I'm really anxious to talk about was our Shakespeare class because yeah. I didn't know what to expect going into that. We kind of had an idea, you know, like we were going to do a monologue performance, but I didn't realize, you know, that we were going to have to go and do like actual in-depth scene study. We were going to have to break down the scene and do so much more that went into that. Like as a, as a new actor, like, and I'm going to go ahead and say I was too, like, despite the wrestling, all that other stuff, you know, like, how was that for you? Because I know we had some other people in our group that had been acting a little bit longer than both of us. Like, 
How was it for you being in a situation with those people where we may have not had as much experience as them? Like, how was that for you? I thought it was really interesting. I, mean, I took the class because, you know, I wanted to keep improving in absolutely being able to act and do character work because I was still, you know, in that first, you know, month and a half. So yeah. I knew that anything I was going to deliver was still going to be really wooden if I didn't understand characters. very Right, well. right. And some of the best actors are Shakespeareans. And so it's like, yes, I will take this and I will learn as much as I can. Absolutely. And I love that you were aware of like the background that some of these other actors that we all watch on TV or we all watch in movies. Like, I love how aware you were of some of their training and background, because that speaks volumes to just how invested you are in the process of becoming a better actor, too. But with that, like, how was it and what drew you to the monologue that you performed that night? Like, what drew you to your performance and what about it spoke to you as an actor, especially like you said, being so new in it and, you know, you didn't want to be wooden until you understood what you were reading. So what was it about your monologue that jumped out and spoke to you? And that was some choosing too, because we had quite a few of those to yeah. look at. So I, I looked at all of them and none of the comedy characters really vibed with me. I just, mm -hmm. Which one just really kind of struck a chord with me. And so I was like, well, comedy is this. It seemed boring. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and then the histories, histories, like, oh, these, eh, eh. But so I went through the dramas and then I saw that one with, uh, I guess we're not supposed to say the name of, <laughs> of the actual play. Oh, no. So McBee's. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. I forgot about that <laughs> and, part. Forgive and, me. I learned that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I, all, as you say that, all of that's coming back to me now, too. And so I've looked at this character and I'm like, oh, he's crazy. That should be fun. All right, we're going to take a quick pause for a word from the Give Me Back My Podcast Network. Just how drunk are we going to get? Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Kill more crates. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f that up. <laughs> Try that again. As we drag Kathleen. Hear me. Kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. All right, let's hop right back into this awesome interview. Right, right. So, like, was that one of those, like, man, I get to go back to the sandbox type of moments? Or what was the, like, outside of him being crazy, like, what about that spoke to Katrina, like, that made you think, like, this is something I can sink my teeth into? Like, was there part of you that you were trying to express or get out that you may not have even realized was there at that point? Well, no, I mean, I was just, I was looking through the, 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 the monologue and the fact that he is just absolutely haunted by everything that he's done. 
and the the desperation in it. I just I liked the raw emotion. Yes, that was in it. You know, I love that 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 kind of stuff where it's just very raw, and he was feeling it. And yeah, Absolutely. he was going like through through all the stages of the thing. And I was like, I like this. This would be so much fun to act out, but I want to do it right. I didn't realize that I had picked out such a tricky piece. Right, right. But I mean, I I think when you actually delivered your performance, like you, it looked like you were a master of it. Which, if if I remember right, too, weren't you, uh, weren't you the last one to perform that night on the uh, on the Facebook Live performance? I think I was. So I think you were was. you were the main yeah. event of everything because I was right in the middle. I was number three. We had uh, I think it was Sean in the middle of us, and then it was you. But it's like every the way that Carlisle structured everything, every performance was so different. So it was literally like a roller coaster ride getting all the way up to your performance, and then you knocked it out of the park. So like. What were uh what were you feeling as you got into uh as you got ready to go live on that performance? I was I was nervous, like stay a little bit of stage fright because I hadn't done any kind of public performance. Right. Let live. alone behind a computer screen, you know, on top of that. Yeah, I mean, just to me, I mean it, it they're all the same. I, I see them personally as all the same because I have an audience is just I cannot see this particular yes. audience, but they're all there. They're all watching, <laughs> and it's live. So I want to make sure I've got it all down. And it actually took me a while to understand that character. You know, knowing that he was you know this jerk to begin with. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't feel bad for this guy. He was creep. <laughs> and so she. Carlisle really helped me get into, you know, understand these characters. Yes. Because yeah, it's like, if I don't feel this character at all, then, you know, I'll be, I'll just be saying words. And she really helped me understand it and how to let myself feel those emotions while still controlling them. Absolutely. And that was really amazing. Uh, I learned so much in just a few weeks. Yeah. Time. Like it, it feels like that whole month of classes just went by just like that. But like it's so amazing because like you said, she was offering so much information and insight into these characters. And this was like right before we went live with our performances. And to see those little like little bits of information and little tweaks she suggested being applied to all of these performances was absolutely masterful because like it's little things that I may not have thought of or somebody else may not have thought of for their performance, but she said, what if he is talking to, or what if she is talking to this person or what if she is a little bit more haunted by what's going on or delusion, like all these little tweaks that you wouldn't even think about. And it just made these performances that much more masterful. And like, I remember some of the comments specifically, like, I don't think anybody knew that was your first, like, "Quote unquote live Facebook performance, and there were over two thousand people watching that. But these people were giving you props in the comments section, and I was just like, "Damn, get them! Yes, like go!" Because <laughs> like everybody, like and everybody in our improv group was like waiting to hear back on that. That couldn't log in and watch it too, and everybody was so supportive of it. So it was like an awesome thing to see. Oh yeah, that was that was so much fun. Absolutely. 
And then, I mean, little did we know from there, here you go into the Now Voice This competition, not only for, was it Now Voice This 7 and Now Voice This 8? Was That that was the yeah, two that yeah, you were, was, you were a finalist back-to-back on both of those. And I mean, that's, damn, like, that's almost unheard of. Like, pardon my language again, really? but yeah, like, I think you and maybe one other person, uh, and actually it was former guest Alex Mitz that was on here, were finalists back to back again, and then you were also a finalist, I think, in Now Voice This Eight with Sean from our Shakespeare class, who went on to win that one. But I mean, it's like yeah. you enter this competition with God knows how many people, and then two times back to back in your first year of acting, you make it all the way to the finals. Like, how do you process that? And like, what does that mean to you? Well, I I always tried my best. Uh, I didn't really. I I couldn't. I was always concerned about what I was doing, but for the whole thing, I'm like, well, let's see how far I get. I would like to get this far. I got that far. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's see if I make it to the drawing. Oh well, not didn't make it that time. I will try it again later. Right, and I mean like. It's crazy to say, but, like, the one thing that was so, like, I don't even know the right way to describe it, but, I mean, it's, like, it makes it hard to feel like you actually lost, was it was literally a luck of the draw for who won that, you know, in the final round. Like, I think they drew the name out of a hat. They narrowed it down to three people each time that would go into the hat. Yes. Yeah, I didn't make it to the hat. Um, I was eight finalist but I wasn't like the hat finalist oh okay okay for some reason I was thinking your your name was actually in the hat on one of them wasn't it I I don't think it was if it was then I forgot (laughs) we're gonna say it was because for some reason I remember you being in the hat on one of those and I mean what but either way though like at that point if it didn't make it into the hat you were down to the final 10 people And all of this is in your first year of acting, like even being in there with experienced actors that have had multiple years of doing this, like that is an amazing feat. So like what, like what are you thinking about as that hap is happening? Like, cause I know a lot of people, like you'd see the discord chats, you'd see the Twitter feeds, whenever they'd announce them. And, like, you'd see all these people getting bummed or whatever. Some people were encouraged, like, I'm going to try again next time. Some people just gave up. But, like, what does that mean for you, again, being so green into all of this, but, like, kicking these doors in and making these big impacts? Well, it made me feel like I had a genuine chance at this because, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's still down to opinions, but that's what all all of this that we do is anyway. Mm -hmm. And... If I got that far, then maybe I can, I I really can do something professionally. The thing that's been amazing for me, and then it's, again, like you said, it's it's literally a business of opinions, because you could give a stellar, knockdown, drag out performance, five stars, whatever it want to be, but if it's not what that person who's casting is looking for, that doesn't mean you're bad. And that was a hard thing for me to accept at the beginning because it's like, why am I not booking? Why am I not booking? It took me a year, over a year to finally book something. And, you know, it's like, okay, but now I'm ready for it. Now I know what to do. But, I mean, it's like, 
it is such an exhilarating thing if you don't let it get to you that you don't book just based off of somebody's opinion. Because right. you you get that release and you have that fun. And again, I think it kind of circles back to what you said earlier about your art in a situation like that. I think that, you know, like just how you handled the art situations or even your new ground stuff. It's like, hey, there's a silver lining here. Like they didn't critique this. So that means I did something right there. So I think your mentality is something that a lot more people may need to study from because I'm mean, like, I'm, I'm learning so much right now and you can kind of see how eager I am on camera here. The listeners can't see it, but it's like, I've learned so much from you right now that it's just like, damn, I gotta, I gotta get on your level up here now. Well, I mean, it, it's the only thing is it, I haven't booked anything though. I mean, it's all been just little, little silly and fun things. Like I, I, I honestly have yet to book any official role, but I also know that my voice is very strange and different. And so it's not an easily bookable one. And so I'm just, but when I see all these other people out here, I'm like, well, I, I must still have a chance because there's all these things that they look for. So I got to figure out what am I missing and where is it that I exactly fit in? It's been harder for me. Like I've I seen understand. everybody else get something. I'm like, well, I wonder where I fit in. I'm kind of wondering. It's very hard to find those niches unless you like, unless you have a coach or somebody that can guide you to like where your voice is a good fit. Because I mean, literally in the world of voiceover, there is no right. There is no wrong. There is just unique. And there is something mm -hmm. for everybody here. It's just finding your strong suits. It's finding where you fit in because like it took me forever to find, you know, like where I thought I fit in because where I thought I fit in was completely not where I fit in. So yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff. And I mean, like, I know you've got a lot of stuff that's going to be coming. And when you do book that floodgates going to open. So, cause I mean like your voice and especially in some of the stuff you've submitted for now voice this, or <laughs> that you've done for little like animations on Instagram, it fits that character that you have there. Like it fits perfectly. So there's just got to be those roles that are cast for it. And it's just got to be that right opportunity. But I mean, it's coming. The, th yeah. the thing that sucks is we just don't know when. Yeah, and that's what I keep uh, pushing for because there's a few times where I've gotten closer than I yes. have before. I'd gotten, you know, a callback on one thing in which I hadn't had in a long time. So, okay, well, I'm getting closer. So it's just, it's still looking for for where it is. And uh, I've been looking for coaches. Like the first group that had been recommended to me, they they did not have good advice actually they were they were just trying to pin pigeonhole me into like one thing yeah but they were like but hey three months of this and I'm like well why do I want three months if you're gonna just teach me to do one thing right and I've got I've got to give credit here because um I did a little bit of coaching with Morgan Barry at the start of this year as we're recording now and we worked together for maybe about four or five months, somewhere around there. But I mean, like she was honest with her feedback. She said, I think I've taught you everything that I can teach you. Here are some other coaches you may need to look at. If you're interested in something like dialects, which I was, she introduced me to my current dialect coach. And like, that's the kind of stuff that you need because like 
you know, you don't want to just give somebody your money and then they just sit there and tell you all the things that you think you want to hear. You want to know, you want to get better. And that's the only way that this business and you as a person are going to get better. So we'll actually, we'll talk off air. I'll get you in touch with some people that can help you out. But um, that's, I mean, that's something right there too. If they're trying to pigeonhole you into one thing, that's a red flag right there too. Because I mean, yeah, you may, you may be good at that one thing, but what about these five other things you're also good at that you won't, they won't even acknowledge. So what good does that do anybody other than their bank account? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I've done some, start with um, with June, been working with June Yoon, and he's really um, in, in, encouraged, because I, 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 oh, yeah. I shared that story with him, too, because, yeah, no. <laughs> See, I've never, I've never gotten to talk to him personally, but he's awesome. so many people have said so many good things, and other than, like, maybe one or two brief little Twitter exchanges, but everything he does, like, some of my friends, like, former guest Mercedes Lewis, and I think even Alex Mitz, they love this guy. Like I see the things that he does and I get it. He is he such cares about what he does. Yes. That's the, that's the biggest thing right there too. He cares about what he does. He cares about the people that he works with. He has a solid booking ratio. So, you know, this guy knows his stuff and he cares about the people that he's working with. So those are all the things that you should be looking for in a coach. Spoiler alert for anybody that's listening. Yes. I said those things. Take my advice. Um, But again, too, you know, it's like there are so many different things. And just because it doesn't work out with one coach does not mean this is not for you. Does not mean that you're in the wrong field. It just means that you haven't found that right person to guide you to where you need to be or to help you put that square peg in the square hole or whatever it may be. You know, it's just you've got to find that right person that connects with you. Yep. Yeah. And especially after being told something like that on the first one, I'm like, yeah, there are definitely other people I can talk yep. to. Yeah, and that's, again, that's one of those things I've talked about with other people on here. I, I know I mentioned the wrestling a lot, but that smartened me up to so much because they're in that line of, of entertainment, especially there are people that are just out to take your money that won't mm-hmm. train you properly. But in that regard, you can get hurt, you can get paralyzed, whatever it may be. So yeah. it, it kind of takes those blinders off and makes you see it in other places as well. So, you know, like, and I'm glad that you picked up on that after that first session. So kudos to you on that. But before we get down this rabbit hole of good coach, bad coach, um, <laughs> let me, let's talk about what you do when you're not, you know, like when we're not doing improv or when you're not doing auditions for voiceover, what do you do to keep yourself motivated and keep your batteries charged? I just do random stuff, honestly. I have a billion hobbies, so nice. I might be knitting. I might be making something else or drawing something else. I might be going on a walk. I might be just out. But <laughs> I you, do a lot of stuff. You've got something that you can use to keep your mind off the responsibilities and when you feel like burnout's coming on is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I get too bored doing one thing, and so... I'll I'll do something else. I get it. I get it. Now, in saying all that too, are you able to pick up on the cues and the signs for when something like burnout may be coming on? Or do you like, is it kind of hit you like a ton of bricks? Like it does me sometimes. Like, what is that like for you? Like, are you able to experience those symptoms before it actually kicks in? What's that like for you? It depends on, on what the thing is that's burning me out. Gotcha. Most of the time, it will just 
hit immediately. Right. Other times I'll be like, oh, I'm really slowing down here. Okay, this is a burnout. But other times it's just, bam, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> been there, done that. Been there, done that. And is it something too, like when you say like, oh, I hate this. Like, is it something that you just need to take a step away from for a minute before you can come back to appreciating it? Or what is that like for you? Yeah, yeah. Usually I just need to step back from it. I mean, unless it's just something I truly have uh, just gotten a big burnout from and right. don't want to do anymore. But I always come back to it, it seems. Even if it's years later, I always come back to it. I gotcha. Now, this is just, again, I'm not trying to make this conversation about me, but these are these are just <laughs> things that I deal with. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how other people deal with them. But yeah. Do you ever have that feeling or that little voice in your head or that little twinge of guilt that's like, oh, you put all this work in and now you're stepping away from it? Or what if you miss out on this? Or what if you were right there at the finish line and then you just you don't step away when you need to and you end up making it worse? Like, do you deal with that? And if like, do you encounter that? And how do you deal with it? If so, I I haven't. Uh, just because it's still been such a long road for me, it's like, well, I'm not really going to be missing out on anything if I right. step away and do something else. Oh, teach me the ways. Teach me the ways. <laughs> because it's, again, it's just that, it's that FOMO mentality that I've got to, I've got to get myself out of. But I, I love that because like you said, it's, it's always going to be there. Something's going to be there for you to come back to, but sometimes you need to put that distance there so you can recharge your batteries and come back with that mentality of I get to do this, not I have to do this, which sometimes the burnout kicks in and everything feels like you have to do it. And that's no good for anybody. Right. Right. Well, man, I, I love hearing all that. So <laughs> in saying all that, now we're going to put myself on the hot seat and we're going to keep the trend of guest questions going now. So let's turn it around a little bit. I've been grilling you for the past almost 55 minutes here. So Let's put it on the, let's turn it around. Let's flip the rolls a little bit and you throw some questions my way. And again, disclaimer, I don't know what she's going to ask ahead of time. All I told her was to come up with some questions and she's going to throw them at me randomly. So we're going to let it go. See if it's a hardball, curveball, softball. Let's, let's let it go and have some fun. Well, this first question I had, you said you were an English major. Was that something that you like planned on? Like you were, were what were you going to do with that initially? Well, honestly, in college, I probably should have done something like a business major, especially now with all these different things that I have going on with this podcast and, you know, trying to get my own brand off the ground. But I sucked at math. I still suck at math, especially anything past, you know, like division. So, okay, I'm in good company. But I started out my first year of college doing broadcast and communication classes. But at that time, I was not confident with my voice, especially having to like do mock news articles that we would play in front of the classroom or whatever it may be. So in some of those journalism classes, that kind of took me away from my original first major of being a journalism major. So after I transferred from my first year of college uh, up to MTSU here in uh, Middle Tennessee, I became an English and literature major with a minor in communications. And I did also take some art and broadcasting classes in that time as well. And 
some different things like that. But my thought was, one, I'm not going to have to take any more math classes after this semester. <laughs> I like reading. I like writing. And I could always be an English teacher, which I had also had a quasi-dual double major where I was going to go into the student teaching program. But by the time I was getting ready to go into that, it went from a semester to a full year. And if anybody's familiar with that program, while you're doing that, you can't have any work outside of that. And if they caught you having a job outside of that, you would lose your spot in the program. So outside of being a teacher's aide and outside of working with um, special needs preschool kids, I didn't really get much teaching. But I said, you know what, if I can graduate in the next semester with an English and uh, communications degree, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Maybe I'll come back to teaching down the road. But my whole thing about that was it was something I liked. It was my best subject in high school. I still love reading. I still love, you know, writing if the mood strikes. But, you know, it's just honestly a way to stay away from math. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Now, my, my sister and bro-in-law, they're, they're English teachers. Okay. English and those were always like my favorite teachers, you know, outside of band in high school because like my... AP English teacher my senior year of high school, her mom was my first grade teacher. So it was a little little like full circle tie right there. And then I also went back as the teacher's aide for her mom in college. But like they were always the most engaging. And again, I know I'm referencing a lot of old guests on here. So go back and check the archives. But my <laughs> junior year English teacher, uh, Mr. Stackhouse, as I mentioned on the Alex Mitz episode, He hated professional wrestling. I loved it, but he, I had to beg him to let me do my final paper that year on, uh, you know, on professional wrestling as an art form and not just crude entertainment. And he begrudgingly gave me an A on it and said, I'm glad you talked me into letting me do this. But like, not only that sticks out with me, but his, like the way he engaged us as a teacher to a classroom wasn't like a. 45-year-old guy to a bunch of 16 and 17-year-olds, he made it engaging. He made it fun. It's like we were talking to a friend, but we were learning at the same time. So, like, that's what really stuck with me and made me want to pursue something like that so that I could, you know, hopefully give back to kids like that down the road, too. Oh, wow, that's cool. And and I guess this one wasn't planned, but you said you you were conscious of your voice. And I don't see why. Why? Because, like, with me, I did not talk for years. In high school, I almost never talked. Right. Um, because I was so conscious of it. What is it about you and your voice that made you so uh, like I, that? I really don't know. But I know when I was younger, like, if I would call places, I'm talking about, like, when I was, like, 8 or 10 years old or whatever it was. Like, yeah. I would hear myself back on the answering machine and I would cringe (laughs) or I would be talking to somebody on the phone and they would think I was a woman. So like my voice hadn't developed to like what you're hearing now. You were still a kid. Yeah, I know, but it's like, Oh God, like that's going to stick. Like, I don't know why that stuck with me, but then there were also times too, where like we would be traveling for band and I would talk to somebody that was local and they would point out a Southern accent that I didn't hear. So I'm like, great, I sound like a redneck now. It's like, do y'all say y'all where you're from? Like, dude, you live three hours up the interstate for me. Do you say y'all here? 
Like, I don't know. It's just all these weird things that I shouldn't have even been thinking about. You know, it's just like everybody, I, I hear all these stories, so I'm glad I'm not alone on that. But it's like everybody cringes when they hear their voice back that first time. Yeah, everybody does. You know, that's funny. Real quick, though. You said everyone thought when I would answer the phone when I was eight, nine years old, I, I, I had a deep voice even then as a kid. Right, so they right. were like, Mr. Piscina? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? Like, Dad! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I also found out later when I started to try to do voices that I had no idea until I heard myself back. I have a lisp. Oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. You don't hear it very much now. No. In in my 20s, even, like, it was really heavy. It's when I was starting to do these voices. And yeah. I heard back, I said, Mom, did you know I had this lisp? And she goes, yeah, I thought it was cute. And I'm like, Mom! I never would have known unless you said it, but I've never heard it. So yeah, it, it's a kind of a speech impediment that some of some of the people in our family have. And I gotcha. I didn't know I had it, but I can't sound like this and be lispy because that would be horrible. I don't know. That might be a new unique character right there too. So <laughs> be on the lookout for an audition. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that made me think that is funny. That is funny. I love it. These are good uh, questions. <laughs> I guess um let's see third question already yeah that was that was a fun tangent <laughs> <laughs> they're usually the best um, being being southern you know how how much does that affect you like for me I grew up in a small town everybody talks like this so I don't really care and for a while I was a little conscious of it but I, I just like eh um, but how is that for you? Oh, man, it's hard to say because here in Nashville, like especially here lately with all these transplants and everybody moving here, it's so it's so rare to actually find somebody that was born and raised here. Like I'll I'll tell people I was born and raised here and they're like, you know, like, they look at me like I got the plague or something. But same in the South, like I've learned to adapt. Uh, I don't know if it's. Dumbing down or dumbing up, uh, if that's even the right words to say. I'm sorry <laughs> if that offends anybody, but I've become comfortable like adapting myself in certain scenarios based on who I'm around. But there are also certain scenarios that I will not let myself be in, or you know, obviously because unfortunately there are still some negative, ignorant things that go on in the South, and if they if I see them, I distance myself from them, especially. If it's oh, a yeah. work setting, but you know, it just, I just let it be most of the time. And I just talk to everybody like they're on the same level I am because truth be told, we are, you know, like, I don't care if you're the CEO of a customer that I'm working for, or if you're the janitor, I'm still going to talk mm -hmm. to you. I'm still going to joke with you and I'm not going to put myself out there to say something offensive. But you know, if you, if you say something offensive, I'm just going to move on to the next thing and you don't take the hint we'll wrap it up right there but honestly it's just for me just trying to be nice to everybody until they give you a reason not to be and then you just put the distance there unless it's something that you absolutely have to speak out about so yeah because yeah i mean i i never ran into that really oh buddy uh we maybe we... it's because texas but is where i'm at I, right because I, I, I work at a call center where 
people in New York were like, you sound so cute. <laughs> like, oh, thanks. <laughs> See, to me, though, and to like a lot of people around here, I feel like I sound monotone. So I never hear the accent. I never hear any of that. But, you know, like, if I go anywhere else or if I talk to somebody like um, like I talked to Everett Oliver back around New Year's and, mm-hmm. you know, he was like, I, I hear that little bit of a southern accent in your voice. Like, I hear that or I hear that little twang, you know, like, where are you from, Texas? Or like people ask me if I'm <laughs> from Texas. It's never Tennessee. But, you know, like, I still I, know. I still get that every now and then. Yeah. Look, people don't realize there's varying degrees of well, any accent. Yeah. That's something like until I started taking dialects that I didn't know as well. Like, you know, like there's a southern uh, tide water. Like there's the real slow southern drawl. You know, like syrupy. Yeah, there's that where it's like uh, it. You know, that came from like the British plantation owners that migrated over here, or I may have just butchered the history. But you know, like there's different dialects to it. There's the fast talking. You know, like, like I'm the carnival worker. I'm gonna go drive a NASCAR, whatever it may be. You know, like. There's so many different variations of it that you can't just be narrow-minded on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. And so that was the fourth one? Yes, it was. I think so, yeah. (laughs) I'm not even sure if I answered your question with that tangent, but... Well, no, that's an answer. I'll take it. You said so. You're the (laughs) boss. You're the boss right now. Cool. And so then I guess for the fifth one, what keeps you grounded? Man, I think that it's just um, that I'm a human with my own faults and mistakes and that like I fall short, but I don't want to set a bad example for my kids or do something that's going to put my family in questionable spotlights. You know, like I don't want to be that person that gets on the news because they got drunk and said the N word or whatever it is. Or, you know, I, I just I want my kids to see me as a good role model and know that like he followed his dream so I can follow mine. I want my wife to know that because she supported me, like, you know, that I'm not trying to squander that. So basically I didn't have the best role model of a father to look up to. I had my godfather, which has a godsend in itself, but just all these people that would suffer if I pardon the language again, but if I fucked up, they would, also bear the brunt of that so that is what keeps me grounded because I just I want to make it work not only for me but for them because of all the support that they have given me and the sacrifices that I've had to make and they've kind of bared the results of so to speak so you know I just I want to succeed not only for me but for them and for anybody else that may be struggling along those lines too because we all struggle and I just there's a way to do it I just want everybody that is driven and passionate to succeed and have that same chance too. Right. Well, then that's a big thing too to be able to do because yeah, not not everybody can or does. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate with my my parents. You know, they didn't want us, my me and my sisters, to go through the stuff they did. My mom was right. very 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 poor, as in sometimes actual dirt floor poor. Right. Uh, and my dad, um, he grew up in Detroit. You know, they they both had done different like factory type jobs. Yeah, getting started. But when you know they got together, they got married. They didn't want us to be going through all the stuff they did. Right. And so they worked really hard, and they'd gotten out. They got a home. They 
had me and my sisters. Yeah. And, you know, dad got, you know, better, better jobs. Like he, he was, he was reading meters when I was a little, little bitty toddler and he would take mm-hmm. me with him. Oh, nice. You know, when you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Take your kids to work day. Well, he would, just all the time on his rounds. I was, oh man. <laughs> you had fun then. You had some fun. Yeah, blue collar kid, and uh, I don't forget it. And Absolutely, they they kept they keep all of us grounded, and you know we we know where we came from, but we know that mom and dad did a lot to um you know keep us where we where we were and where we are now. Absolutely, and I love that answer. And I mean, I think that's I think if more people kind of held that same mentality or had those memories or. Just something to hold on to to kind of reel them back in when things go off the rails. I think we wouldn't have so many of these problems or so many of these. I mean, I'm going to throw a dart in the dark here and hope it sticks, but so many of these broken home situations or, you know, parents would be more invested with their kids. Relationships would be more invested in each other. If you just remembered all the things that you had growing up that, or maybe you didn't have growing up that you want to give to your kids or that next generation, like that would keep a lot more people humble and grounded. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know anybody else, you know, around me who's, you know, had family, you know, with the backgrounds that they, like they had, because right. my grandma, ugh, on, my, on my mom's side, my poor mom, you know, she, she had it the roughest. And yet she has been really, and then my my dad's always there for me too, but she's really been my 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 like my faithful my faith guide, my spiritual guide. Yeah, there's so much wisdom where just other people would likely have given up or become very bitter. And if you were to meet her, you would you would never have known that. Yeah, but she let all those experiences give her that wisdom that she's worked so hard to pass on to me and my sisters. Absolutely. I mean, again, that just comes to being grateful that you've come past all that and then also being humble enough and determined enough to realize that you don't want the next generation and you don't want your kids to go through the same things. You don't want that cycle and that pattern to repeat. So that's powerful. And that's something that you should respect that as a parent too. Like I, I have no knocks against that because that's something that every parent should strive for. So oh yeah, nothing yeah. but respect there. <laughs> yeah. They each give us something. I mean, mom, you know, gave us that. My dad gave us, you know, our worth work ethic. Absolutely. And, you know, not the other half of our set of values and our, our humor. Um, apparently when we got <laughs> right? to meet more of dad's side, it's like, ah, this is why we're this. Yep, I, I see where it comes from now. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Well, man, we have hit on some powerful stuff here. And just, I, it doesn't even feel like we've been talking for over an hour now. So, like, this has been an awesome conversation. And, again, I'm noticing a trend here where I get to learn more about my friends that I don't normally get to learn about them in class settings or performance settings. So, this has been awesome. And, I appreciate you taking the time tonight to just sit down, have a chat with me and tell me more about your story too. So like, I've, I've learned so much about you. I've learned a lot of stuff that I can apply to my life. And I think our listeners are going to learn a lot of things from this conversation too. Oh, thank you. It was my, my pleasure. So I can't wait to have you back on again down the road too. But before we get to that, um, tell me what's, what's next for Katrina. What do you, uh, 
what's your next goal? What's your next accomplishment that you want to cross off the list? Well, like I say, book my first role. It's coming. I have no doubt it's coming. (laughs) I have no doubt it's coming. And we'll make sure that we get there and we'll keep putting those positive vibes out and manifest it and make it happen. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I appreciate y'all listening again to another awesome conversation here. I appreciate Katrina being so generous and engaging with her time. And, man, you guys keep this show afloat. So if you could, cost nothing to tell your family, tell your friends, share the podcast. Let your family, let your friends, let a random stranger on the street listen to an awesome conversation like the one Katrina and I just had here tonight. So it costs nothing to share. It costs nothing to go like us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're going to have links to Katrina's social media in the show notes as well. Go check her out. Check out that awesome artwork that my words won't do justice for. Like us on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review if you think I've earned it. You know, just make sure you're helping support this podcast so that I can keep bringing you awesome conversations with my friends, that I can keep the new podcasts that are coming down the road afloat. And, you know, check out our sponsors too. If you need a voiceover coach, go check out Elise Bowman. I'm going to talk to Katrina off camera about that too. She has done amazing work with me and she'll do amazing work with you too. So go check her out. And guys, just be good to each other. That is the main thing this world needs right now. Times get hard. Times get frustrating. But everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs an encouraging word. Make sure you're doing that for each other. Even a hug, even a pat on the back, handshake if COVID will let us do that now. Just be good to each other. And get ready to tune in next week for another awesome episode and interview. I've got more guests lined up down the road as we get further into season two here. And I can't wait for you all to hear them. So for Katrina, for myself, I appreciate you all tuning in today, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week. And I know you hear me. Howdy, folks. This is Willard Wingnut, and I'm sure we've all heard the same expression. A woman works from sun till sun, but a voiceover works from noon till one. And I thought, hey, I want to be one of them. So I decided to get some lessons in voice acting. And of course, What I did was looked up the best voiceover coach I could possibly find, which was Alicia Bowman. So basically, this is what I sounded like six months ago. But today, I sound like this. I begin every sentence with, in a world. In a world where there were a million mediocre voiceover coaches. Where they were like lukewarm roller dogs at 7-Eleven. There was one that stood out head and shoulders above the rest. The one and only Elise Bowman. And she can coach you too. Go to EliseCoaches.com. That's E-L-I-S-E Coaches.com. And you can become a voiceover too. Now back to my regular voice. That's right. She's like magic, so check her out. And if you have half as much fun as she does, well, she'll have twice as much fun as you.
The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.